0: Good morning. Good morning. morning. I am so happy to see each one of you today. This is Consecration Sunday here at Peachtree Christian Church, and I have some additional good news for you, and then I have some great news. The good news is, after this service, there is a lunch down in Burns Hall. The great news is it's fried chicken, and it's free. Be there. Be there. I'm going to be there. And don't y'all eat all the chicken hips before I get to my share, please. (laughs) Two Sundays from now is Messiah Sunday with the marvelous worship service with our choir, soloists, and instrumentalists from the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra. I know you are looking forward to that, and I am as well. Please be here and bring folks with you. If you are a visitor today, first of all, you are very welcome, and secondly, I hope you will stop and visit with me for a moment out here in the gathering space, that's this big area by the elevator, uh, so that I can welcome you and give you a gift from our church. I do want to say that children are always welcome to worship with us, and parents can choose to use our nursery and children's Sunday school on the second floor area of the church. I ask everyone, please, sign the welcome pads. Those are the black folders. They're on the end of each pew. Share it with everyone on your pew so you can get to know each other's names. We continue now in worship with silent prayer and our organ prelude.
1: Good morning. We have a beautiful new format for our order of worship. I'm going to give you a moment to find our call to worship. And so take a moment and find that. It will get easier and easier. And I think you will all eventually agree that it is a good thing. Would you please stand for our call to worship? I have set the Lord always before me. My heart therefore is glad and my spirit rejoices.
2: Me in prayer. Creator God, we gather as a community who are thankful from the deepest parts of our being. We are thankful and have gratitude for another day of life where we move and have being because of what you've given us. You've implanted us into a delightful creation with sights and smells and tastes that are good. God, we've gathered here together to taste and see once more that you are good. We're thankful that you not only give us life, but that you renew our lives. We ask this morning that you renew us afresh through the very practice of our liturgy. Whether we pray in song form or in speech form, hear it. Whether or not we gather around the table or sit next to friends, let us sit under fellowship and the love that you've given through your son Christ as we remember what he's done for us. Help us as we sit under the authority of your word in all that we do and say here. Allow it to shape our hearts more into the image and likeness of your Son, Christ Jesus. We do come today for divine encounter, and it is like your Son, Christ, that we aim to be. We focus on our Savior, Christ the Lord, and the prayer that he taught his disciples to pray, saying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.
0: I know you enjoyed that every bit as much as I did. I love it when our children can sing with us in worship. As we prepare our hearts now to receive communion, I invite you to join me in our prayer of penitence. It is printed in your order of worship. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. I invite you now to share the passing of the peace with your neighbors. Let the words come from your lips, peace be with you, but let the meaning come from your heart.
1: The hymn that we sing now for our communion service is one of my very favorites. It is a Welsh folk melody. It is beautiful, engaging, and well known to you. It's a lovely Thanksgiving text. I hope you like it. If you don't like it, do me a favor and don't tell me that. That will be your Thanksgiving gift to me. Our hymn is hymn number 717 Let All Things Now Living a Song of Thanksgiving.
3: It is for good reason that the leaders of this church were unwavering in the design of both Peachtree's sanctuary and chapel. Both spaces are intended to focus our eyes and thoughts in very specific ways. In the early years of this church, it was often said of this altar or the table that it was our focal center. We were, and we still are, intended to be drawn to a table, not simply for aesthetic reasons, but because we believe that fixing our eyes on the place where we share in the life and death and resurrection of Christ is fundamentally life-altering and life-sustaining. We gather to remember Christ to attempt to comprehend how and why self-giving and self-sacrificing is always God's way in a world that is far too often self-absorbed and self-centered. Life at this table compels us to invest in the lives of others. Life at this table prompts us to acknowledge that our sharing and generosity should not end with our consumption alone. Like all of life, the Lord's Supper is a gift to be received and shared, not something to be hoarded with greed or thoughtlessly swallowed. The life and hope of Christ are not just for you, and so, on a day when we are committing to take seriously what we can do together as a result of our common self-giving, may taking in the bread and the cup prepare our hearts for actions that are thoroughly honest, grateful, and generous. Let us be reminded anew to fix our eyes on what truly matters. Let us come to the very heart and and center of who God longs for us to be as a community of faith, hope, and love. We do this each time that we say that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, my friends, we proclaim with one voice the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again. Will you join with me in prayer? Creator God, you gave of yourself so that we might know and feel love. Let us be knit together in your love in this hour. Let us be strengthened, nourished, and emboldened by the bread and the cup. Replace our selfishness with self-giving gratitude. Fix our eyes and our hearts on the centrality of hope, a hope that was made known through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Hallelujah. Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us be the gifts of God are for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with great thanksgiving.
4: Good morning, each week one of our great members of our ministerial staff will stand in this spot and will talk to you about the importance of giving. Usually they will say something to the effect that giving money is important, but giving your time and your talent is just as important. And in my business, we would call that a soft sale. Today is not the day of a soft sale. (laughs) For today is Consecration Sunday. And you each should have received a pledge card in the mail, and if not, there's one in your pew back. I hope that you have had the opportunity to pray about how much you personally will be giving in 2019. We call this day consecration Sunday. And what that means is we are setting apart what we as individual members will give back to the church. And at the end of the service, we will place it on the altar. I don't know if you noticed, but as the children came up, they have already led by example and place their individual pledge cards on the altar this morning. And you think we don't count those, but we do. That's another story for another day. Before this week, before today, we had our annual stewardship prayer vigil, Friday night, Saturday. And for 24 hours straight, we prayed for this church and our vision and our mission, and most importantly, our stewardship. And Reverend Chambers wrote something that we prayed through, and I'd like to read a portion of it to you. The Christian vision is inescapably communal. Faith is not a solo journey. We learn and grow most through personal relationships. Without diverse and vibrant community, we become stagnant and starved. We need others with different voices and gifts to speak the truth in love to us and others need us for the same reason. Friends, that is why this place is worth your increased investment. As we all know, we have made great strides in our vision and our mission and in our numbers in the past year. But we need to be able to accomplish more ministry. And I challenge you that I hope that you have increased your pledge and I hope that you will place it on the altar at the end of our service. Psalms 145 states, Father, may your works be known and shared by all generations. Today, we're all thankful for the generations that have come before us to allow us to be here and help us to provide for those who are here and those that will be in the future. Bless you all as you give.
0: Acknowledgement that all blessings flow from you, and you are endlessly generous with us. We thank you for drawing us into this circle of community. And Father, help us always to know that as we stand in that circle, it is never closed. It is always open to welcome all who will come. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior, we thank you. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of scripture.
3: Today's sermon comes from the book to the Hebrews, the 10th chapter, verses 19 through 25. Therefore, my friends, since we have confidence to enter the sanctuary by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, Let us approach with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. And let us consider how to provoke one another to love and good deeds, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
2: Well, as you have heard, it is a day on the church calendar that we call Consecration Sunday. And I've been here now, at the end of the month, it'll be five years. So sometimes you have to check yourself and remind yourself that there may be people here who are newer than you, Or maybe there are people here who aren't used to church. So let me just explain to you what this pledging business is. I've never pledged at church before until I came to Petrie, so it was even new to me. But this is our way of being able to build a budget. Based on how the pledges come in, when people say, I plan to give this amount or that amount, we are able to then build a budget for the coming year. This is a way for us to assess how much ministry we can do together. And at the end of the service, the reason why we walk it forward, it's not... Um, It's not a showy thing, it's rather for us a really important symbol of our liturgy, that we are coming before God at an altar below the cross to remind ourselves that we are giving our own sacrifice to God. There are of course other ways to give at Petrie, you can give online, you can text to give, but this is a very special Sunday where we Think about it as a community, how much can we do together and we come forward with that. So if you didn't bring your pledge card, there are some, as you've n- been noted on the, in the back of the pews, they say we are mission because we remind ourselves that God has a mission and Peachtree Christian Church is just part of it. Mm-hmm. Everything we do here is part of the mission of God at this corner. Um, and, and if you've uh, found that maybe what you've pledged is a little light um, and you're bored by my sermon, I invite you to go ahead and erase it and add some more on there, right? As I've told you several times this year, we do have needs. But I promise I will try not to bore you. Let us start with prayer. Creator God, we are thankful for the gift of life that you've given us. We confess there are ways in which we have sullied that good gift. But we believe in our hearts that you've sent your son Christ into our midst that we may be lifted up and have newness of life. Christ has reconciled us with you continues to cultivate in us a spirit of gratitude. We also believe that you've sent your Holy Spirit to shape in us and in our hearts a sense for care. To care as your kingdom would have us do. Send your spirit freshly in this very hour for you and I know that without you, I can do nothing. We ask that your spirit help us uh, reflect on this passage That it may become to us like a cup of cool water on a hot dry day. That by meditating on it, we become refreshed and renewed. That as a community, we can truly be a cathedral for all. And as a people, wherever we go, we bring refreshment with us. It's in your son Christ's name we pray and God's people say together, amen. Some of you know, and some of you don't, that the church has historically had a manse or parsonage over in Sherwood Forest. It no longer does. But whenever I get invited to Sherwood Forest to someone's home for a party, I'm always eager to go because that's one interesting neighborhood. They like to party in that neighborhood. I was invited to a Christmas party at my pal's house, and it was fascinating watching people from all different backgrounds go from house to house to all these Christmas parties. I just enjoyed it. I love being around interesting and different people. There was this one man who told me he he was born Jewish, but was an atheist. He had a little bow tie, and he was very senior in age, and he followed me around room to room trying to tell me why he didn't think God existed and why I should too. He then told me he knew Dr. Burns, one of our founding ministers. He wasn't our founding minister, but he was here for 40 years, built this church, and he He said Dr. Burns always used to tell people that nobody that he ever did a wedding for had gotten divorced, but he thought that was probably untrue, and he wanted to tell me why. Well, I did one of those football spin moves and got away from him and found myself at the cheese plate. And while I was there at the cheese plate, somebody said to me, well, what do you do? And I said, well, that church over there on the corner, that's where I work. You probably hear the bells every now and again. And then he said, oh, I'm going to tell you why I don't go to church. Listen, when you're a minister and you're at a dinner party, and people ask you what you do, and you tell them you're a minister, you get a couple of reactions. One of them is that people try to get away from you, and the other one is people try to tell you things that you wish they wouldn't want to tell you. So he says, I'm going to tell you why I don't go to church. I didn't want to know. I said, well, and before I could say anything else, he was already bowling me over with some argument. He said to me, he says, I don't need to go to church for one hour a week to sit in some uncomfortable pew and listen to some guy tell me how to be a good person. I said, well, that's a fascinating point. Thinking in my head, that's not a very interesting point at all. (laughs) But it is a point that people often make for not going to church. I'm moral. I already know right from wrong. Why do I need to go be bored for an hour every week just to be told, again... What to do and what not to do. It's one of the prominent answers for not going to church. You know a couple others, don't you? You know this one at least. I'm not going to go to church because it's filled with hypocrites. So uninteresting and uninspired. Of course it's filled with hypocrites. But I do enjoy it every now and again as a minister when you're reading the scriptures. And every now and again you come across the passage that tells you exactly why you (laughs) should go to church. It's the case with our passage this morning. Although we didn't really actually cover it. You see, our passage begins with the word therefore, and the old preacher joke is to say, whenever you come across the therefore, you need to read before it to find why it was therefore. That's true enough. It's a causal linking sort of word. So let me summarize in my fashion what the writer has been obsessing about all the way through Hebrews up until this point. The writer has been saying, don't you know that Jesus of Nazareth, the one we call the Christ, don't you know... Jesus is the high priest of all high priests. That is to say that Jesus is the one who takes creation, the world, us, the community, and uplifts it before God to be reconciled to God. Through Hebrews, you get the sense that cosmically, Jesus is leading all things back to God. And Jesus is more than just flesh and bone. When we read in the Gospels of Jesus, we read of the very place where the fullness of divinity came to set up camp. And when we read further in the Gospel, this fascinating thing happens. We read about a temple, and that's where God dwelt amongst the people, in a temple, in a geopolitical hill. In Jesus' own ministry, after condemning the temple, the temple veil is torn in two because Jesus is saying the truth. I am the meaning of the temple. The fullness of God has come to be with you in me. Oh yeah, the temple is where you go to make sacrifice, to be atoned, to be forgiven. Jesus is saying, I am that. I am he through which you must come to find forgiveness. Hebrews has been talking about this kind of stuff. Talking about how Jesus is like sanctuary for us to come and meet God. Therefore, Therefore, and I'm just going to summarize, go to church. You can find it constructed this way through several let us passages here in the text. Let us, let us, let us. The writer tells the people of his own reasons for going to church. Let me begin with the first one. It begins this way. Because of all that stuff that Jesus has done, let us approach the sanctuary and altar the way i like to say it is this way show up let us approach means show up we need to show up to church we need to show up and be amongst the assembly of other christians and it's important to remember that when we show up and what we're showing up for is non-transactional 100 percent categorically non-transactional but I know there are people, sometimes myself, who've gone to church for transactional reasons. What might those be? Education. Some of us feel like we've got to go to church because that's a place where we can go and be stretched and learn and be taught. And if we're not, we're not going to go. Sometimes it's for entertainment. I choose this church over that one because I like the music. It it, it speaks to me musically, and, and I enjoy it. And And the minister, he has well he's good for a few laughs at least so it's a mild form of entertainment I know we don't want to talk about it but sometimes people go to church for status there are churches I won't name them but people like to target them as places to go to network Mm. The writer of Hebrews tells us to assemble, to show up together but it is not transactional on the other hand, the reason or how you come into the church together is sacramental, which is a $10 word. It means you come to have a taste of the divine together. You come to be reminded of and to see and experience grace freshly. It's as if we're tasting a bit of heaven in our earthly now gathering. Peachtree Christian Church came together and said, we want to be a cathedral for the city, a gift to the city. We want to be a place of prayer for all people. We want people to come and meet God here. And so as our founders built this church, they actually painstakingly chose each window and each symbol and each carving intentionally to tell you something. To elevate your eyes, but more your hearts to the reality of God coming into our world. I don't know if you know this, but... Rooms have a theology to them. Our own sacred space has a theology. It speaks to you without words. It just speaks by its existence. It tells us something when you walk in, that the very heartbeat of this space, and the space next to us called our chapel, the very focal point is an altar. It tells us that the most important thing we do in worship is to gather together around a table to fellowship together and commune with one another as God communes with us, reminding us that it doesn't matter who you are or where you're from or what your color is. How much money is in your bank account? You have a space at a table. But the same God has saved me has saved you. It tells us that that's the most important thing. Oh, friends, we don't come to church for transaction. We come to receive a divine encounter. There are ways that happens in church all the time. I'm going to steal a story from... The Professor Tom Long, who spoke to us at our deacons and our elders retreat last year, I hope you don't mind, he told us a story about his wife who was a minister in a Presbyterian church and how it was a small church, which made the fact that there was a, a, a well-known man and woman in the church who decided to separate, it, it made, made it that it, everyone knew about it. The reality is when we're embedded in relationships, something private or seemingly private like a marriage, when it breaks apart it affects more than just that family people could feel it especially as the husband drifted away from church and the woman stayed there people came around her and supported her and the man stayed absent and it was a real pain and it was a real loss for the community one day the man came into service and almost you could hear the collective gasp of people (gasps) is there going to be a confrontation this is uncomfortable the woman sat up here in the front over here on the lectern side. And the thing is, is you guys don't normally all sit here. So usually this is really an empty space. And I say that because the man didn't sit in her pew, but he sat a few rows behind her. But because of that, when they got to this area of the liturgy called passing the peace, it meant that the close and closest person to each other was themselves. And there was a worry on the part of the pastor, her heartbeat. What would happen? Would they ignore each other? You know, the passing of the peace is interesting. It's, it's not a greeting. I mean, you greet each other, but we're actually asking you to make amends. We're leading you to declare peace to each other. It's a profound moment. And the husband and wife looked at each other, and with trembling approached each other. It was sincerity looked in each other's eyes and were instructed by church. Peace. And that was the beginning of their reconciliation. Hebrews says, show up to church. Show up for grace. The second let us in the passage is let us hold fast. The writer is trying to tell the people of God that they need to hang on to what they believe. Hang on to their truth of, of being saved in Christ. Hang on to the fact that Jesus has done something to and for them in love I'll put it another way stay committed stay committed we are called to remain committed to the wonderful new life we've been given in Christ and so one reason to go to church is to be reminded and informed and formed by intentional things liturgies liturgies is another $10 word comes from a Greek word which really means the work of the people Anytime you go to church, there's a liturgy. They look different. They might have screens. They might ask you to raise your hands. You might kneel in prayer. We might speak back and forth. But it's all liturgy. It is all the work that Christians are supposed to do together. And it's stuff that you do together that you can't do alone. The secret about liturgies is that they form us. I shouldn't have to prove it to you. The prior example explained how when we pass the peace, we might make amends. But the truth is, is liturgies are meant to shape our imagination about who we are and what is important. That's why we actually pray a prayer of confession here. We remind ourselves and we are telling you we're not perfect. It's the reason why we say the Lord's Prayer. It should be a radical thing in your life to pray for God's kingdom come, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That should change the way you think about where you are and your home. But the real trick is, Everywhere you look in the world is surrounded by liturgy. We are a ritualistic creatures, so everywhere we go, we have these practices that form our imagination. I was watching the Georgia Bulldogs play a Pee Wee team yesterday, and I noticed that off every kickoff, I said, "All the fans, all the fans were wearing bulldog colors, and they identify with bulldog people wearing bulldog colors, looking at people who are not bulldog colors." Right? So we, we have ways of saying in and out. And then the kickoff goes and they go how does it go ooh boo dog sick them you going to help me ooh dog sick them woof 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 since you're not helping me i'll go woof, woof. that's what they do <laughs> no but the thing is is it's not just fun it's serious stuff whether it comes from patriotism and nationalism to sports all the way down to if you belong to a club We have practices and rituals that are meant to shape our imagination about who we are, what's important, and why we exist. I find it deeply troubling that Christians come to church for an hour a Sunday, but listen to talk radio all day long. What is more formative? Whatever you're taking in. Scripture reading? CNN. What's more formative? Well, come to church because we have practices and instruction that are intentionally forming us to be the people of God I remember being on vacation and I was so impressed by the church I went to there was the Catholic Church the Episcopal Church and the Methodist Church I chose the Episcopal Church because I wanted to receive communion I knew the Catholic Church wouldn't share it with me and I knew the Methodists probably weren't receiving it that day so I went Episcopal it's pretty good reasoning don't you think And I love coming forward and kneeling around the altar in prayer as they come to bring the bread and the wine. And I noticed that the vicar pulled together some elders. This is what I'd like some of our elders to be doing. And he gave them communion, blessed it, and then they left. From there they walked out the doors and they went to the homebound. From the altar to the homebound. How does that shape your imagination about who you are and what's important? The last reason, I think... The Hebrews can help us think about why you go to church is this phrase. Let us consider how to provoke one another to good deeds or virtue, I would say. The way I want to translate that for you this morning is you need to go to church and show up for more than yourself. Our founding pastor, Dr. Bricker, had written many times in sermons that it's good to see you here. By you being here, you make us more complete. He also had really harsh things to say about missing church. I will spare you of that today for another day. This is a reminder. When you show up to church for more than just you, it's a reminder that the church is not merely a place, but it is, in fact, a people. And, friends, whenever parts of our community aren't here, we're simply not as whole. We're called the body of Christ as well as we're called the church. And if we're missing our hand, well, we take notice. It is important to be together to cultivate and have a common life together. Show up for more than yourselves. Someone might need you. Someone might be hurting and think, I need that person. What happens if we have 100 visitors and 10 members here on a Sunday? Is that a very lovely thing for a visitor? No. Show up for reasons greater than just you. I have a friend whose mother passed away when he was young. He's now been alive, and he's lived with her longer. Pardon me. He's lived, a lo- he's lived his life longer without his mother than with his mother. It's been a long time ago. But he was so young and so fragile, that wound remains, and it will never heal. He hates going to church on Mother's Day. Because churches often make a big to-do about mothers on Mother's Day. And it wrecks him for like a week. So I didn't expect him on this particular Mother's Day to show up to church. I just expect him to stay at home and play video games or something. But I could hear his voice in the narthex, and I went over to him, and I I said, Friend, I didn't expect you today. I gave him a hug, and that hug alone cracked his tear, and I could feel the tear trickle even on my cheek as we hugged. And he said about another person who was in our church who had recently lost their mother, he said, I came because that person, I need to see that person today. They need me. I love reading this in Hebrews because of everything that Jesus has done, he's given us good reason to go to church. Show up for more than yourself. As we've been talking, this is a consecration Sunday, so a lot of you, and hopefully most of you, have prayerfully thought, stretched, what can I give? But I remind you that's only a symbol, it is a sign of something deeper. That action of bringing it to the altar is a symbol and sign of this beautiful community that Christ has called and how we're lifting all of us up to God and our neighborhood and our communities as we seek to use these resources to do ministry. We're lifting it up before God and saying, God, this is yours. And it may seem strange to you about this whole pledging business. I'll be honest, very strange thing to me when I first came. Never been in a church that did it, but... But, I think it's important for the church to relearn something about its identity. The church needs to relearn its strangeness. You see, the church has been called to forgive. The world does not forgive. The church has been called to give people in the world look at that and they think, that's strange. The church has been called to put down certain words so others won't get hurt and the world thinks that a bit nuts the church is called to devote itself to service and to self-giving love and that my friends is counter-cultural so we're not always going to do things the way the world does them anyway so show up and be reminded of how strange it is to put your faith in something other than yourself or rather should I say someone Friends, today we're talking about consecration and we're thinking money, but let me remind you that we come here to consecrate a community, to lift it all up and set it apart as God's beloved community. I bless you. this final hymn the Reverend Bell is going to lead us in if any of you have want to become a part of this beloved community and partner pair your mission with the mission of this church we would love to receive you uh, the confession of faith we believe in is if you can say that you believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of the living God well, that's something that uh, we say as well so if it's your interest to join the church at this time would you come forward during this final hymn
1: the hymn that concludes our worship service today is the great German chorale Noon Donket. It has been a part of Christian worship for over 360 years. That hymn is hymn number 715. Now thank we all our God. Please stand.
2: been a joy to worship with you today, and it's sincerely my pleasure to be part of you and for you to be part of me. Friends, as um, you were told at the up, at the start of the service, we have a free fried chicken lunch in Burns Hall on your way out. We'd love to have you all down there. There, I'm going to share a few uh, updates about the holiday season, as well as just a brief uh, explanation of our new visual, our visual identity going forward for the time being. As you can see on our new website, in the Order of Worship, there's a lovely image of the cross that we got right off the altar here, the centerpiece of our worshiping life. So I want to talk to you a little bit about that. After I give you the benediction, you are free to come forward. Well, you're going to hear, a, actually, let me have you pause and listen to this choral benediction. And Jim says that you will know when it's time to come forward with your gifts, okay? <laughs> because it will be plain and obvious to you. If you want to continue being formed, there, there's an there's announcement in the order of worship you should know about. September the 30th, we're going to show a film in, in Burns Hall called Babette's Feast. One of my fa- November 30th? I said September?
5: Yes.
2: How am I that far away? Okay, <laughs> November 30th, Babette's Feast. It's one of my favorite films. It taught me more about communion than any book and we're doing theology and films. So we're watching films theologically. So that's a great way to be so formed. When you're ready, you can bring your gifts up here in front of the altar and join the children's. Friends, may you have in your heart the very reason for being a part of a church that you've been loved by God, that you have been redeemed by Christ, and that God, through the church, is making a new world. I bless you to be part of it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, go now in peace.